Hello and welcome to Saturday Morning Cartoons, the weekly podcast that revisits, reviews, and ridicules some of the world's weirdest animated series. Coming to you from January Junction, I'll be your host, Dave Trumbor. Joining me as always, he's the leader of the Snow Gypsies. He's Sean Paul Ellis. <laughs> oh, How's it going, sir? Oh, David, David, David. I'm doing well, buddy. How about yourself? I'm doing good, but it's a little cold in here. I'm not 100% sure what's going on. It's a little, a little nippy, a little frosty, I guess you could say. Uh, something that looked like a ghost just held my nose for a second. Oh, I off. thought it was here with me. Oh, no. Like, <laughs> looking around. Uh, that, that chill that you feel in the air is our good buddy and returning guest, or guest, <laughs> Joe Gallo. Jess. Joe Gallo. <laughs> yeah, surely you, Jess. Joe Gallo, welcome back, buddy. Thanks, good to be here. Welcome back, Joe. I have some kind of small rodent here in the uh, studio with me. Uh, it appears to be, pardon me, Pete. Oh, Ooh. we were supposed to have an exterminator come in and take care of that. But <laughs> that would really be the best thing to do in this situation. He's off for the holidays. End um, of episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just, Groundhog extermination for the holiday. Problem it's solved. A, that's right. The rest of this entire conversation is Joe reading Amazon reviews for rodent traps. For various exterminators. <laughs> Yelp reviews. Please, please submit your, uh, your best exterminator reviews to SaturdayMorningCartoons at gmail.com. No, we're obviously mm-hmm. talking about the Rankin-Bass holiday classic, Jack Frost Tonight. How could you have guessed anything else? So last week, if you remember... We covered the uh, the classic Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, the you know the annual special that's played each and every year around this time. This one tonight, it's another Rankin Bass, and it is played every year. But for whatever reason, I personally grew up never having seen Jack Frost. Um, Sean, is is that the same situation for you? You know, I think I had an idea mm-hmm. of the, but I don't believe I'd ever really watched it until. Until Mr. Gallo had uh, had recommended this, so this was sort of this was a joy to watch. Yeah, and it was we, a joy to get into something that I'd never seen before. So. Yeah, exactly. I feel the same way, and we want to thank Joe for bringing it to our attention. It's something that we were kind of like sort of aware of, but just it did not even register with us to cover this. So, Joe, just give us kind of a quick, uh, like, why did you want to bring this specific one to us? Well, this is just one that I know from growing up, um, and I remember the songs. Um, and I have to say that on watching 30 years later, they're not as good as I thought they were. <laughs> right. Um, but they have stuck with me, which says something. Uh, and then also just the uh, bizarre economy of uh, January Junction and the ice <laughs> yeah. money. Um, like there's yeah. a bunch oh of God. weird visuals that stick with you f- for a long time from this story. Um, so, yeah, uh, you have probably only seen it a dozen times, uh, but it, it – it gets in there. There's a bunch of weird little stuff. And, yeah, I actually uh, really like that. That's what I found so charming about it. And we'll we'll definitely spend the next hour or so talking about those things. It's it's something that for me, since I hadn't seen this before, I mean, obviously everybody is so familiar with the story of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer because it's got one of the catchiest and most memorable songs from pretty much everybody's childhood, at least here in the States. And you, you can't not remember that stuff. With Jack Frost, like the, the songs for me, they weren't, I didn't recognize really any of them except uh, maybe Me and My Shadow, and that might actually be it. I don't think another one really registered for me. Um, so for me, this was kind of like new, like watching it all for the first time. So it was really, it was really delightful. It was a lot of fun for me. Uh, Sean, how was your experience watching this for maybe the first time, or at least the whole way through? I, I want to say that I want to see. Yeah, I want to say that this. Was, yeah. Oh, I believe this to be my first time watching this. Uh, 
it was interesting, especially kind of following in the coattails of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer right. and sort of seeing some very bizarre adult themes in Rudolph and yeah. seeing some of those carried over into this. I, I have to wonder, did Rankin Bass, when they would sit down, did they, did they kind of look at each other across like a long boardroom table and be like, so, classic holiday story. We're going to inject misogyny at some point. <laughs> We're going to make it really, really offensive towards wom- like women. Can we make this at some a little point. rapier? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's for but kids, they, right? So yeah. it needs to be a little rapier. So there were, there were a couple of moments watching this where I was like, Ooh, I'm a little bit uncomfortable. And I, then- I didn't pick up too many of them. Maybe a couple that I know you're definitely thinking of. Yeah. But for me, honestly, this, the whole thing felt fairly pure, especially it felt like a sanitized version of what we had watched. Not sanitized, but sanitized version ah. of ah, Christmas jokes of Rudolph because we really ripped that one apart with like uh, like a postmodern criticism of that movie because it does <laughs> right. not hold up in a modern environment whatsoever we basically got to the point if you guys didn't listen to that episode yet we got to the point of our reviews and recommendations where it's like yes I will let my kids watch this because it is part of the like cultural zeitgeist that's been going since 1964 when this thing aired but then I will sit them down and explain to them all the things that are wrong with it. <laughs> with Jack Frost, I feel like you don't have to do that as much. It's more fantastical, it's more imaginative, and it's less commercial too, which I actually really appreciate. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but there let's was... let's kind of. Did you have a final thought before we oh, dig into no, this? Oh no, there were there were just there were so many moments in this where even the conceit itself, I was mm-hmm. like, this just seems like this immortal, uh, like. I don't know, Frozen Ghost is got like weird teenage boner dreams. And yeah, right. So, um, so poor, what would like a 15 year old do yeah. if he was immortal and invisible? Yeah, right. Go creep on human girls. That's exactly yeah, what yeah. yeah. It's, it's just it's very, it was very interesting to watch and see the motivation for a lot of these characters. And I, I know that, you know, obviously it's, it's a children's story mm-hmm. and they're, they're trying to work in certain elements. And, and, and I can see the main idea or theme being love, something right. very simple and something very honest and pure, but just the way that it, I guess it comes off and just maybe how cynical my brain is. I'm like, oh yeah, he's trying to smash. I get it. I get it. It's just like there were, but then there were parts of it that I was like, I'm a little bit uncomfortable with this right now. And, I, and I'm <laughs> the a wee little uh, snow gypsy girl is too small for me. She makes me a little uncomfortable. Yeah, and, and dude, the, and we'll get to that because the way they explained it, I was just <laughs> like, whoa, so, what? It's so wrong. <laughs> There's a lot to talk about in this one, so we're, we're going to dig into this one here. But, but uh, before we get into it, I think Sean's got a little bit of a history background. Thank you. So Jack Frost is a stop-motion animated television special that premiered on NBC on December 13th, 1979. <laughs> it was directed by Jules Bass and Arthur Rankin Jr. and written by Romeo Muller. It airs annually on ABC Family's cable network as a part of its 25 Days of Christmas programming block. And I guess Dave mentioned a fun fact that Mm -hmm. ABC Family is now going to be changing their name starting in January to Freeform. Yeah. Just Freeform. Just Freeform. With a hashtag sometimes. Nothing is more bizarre or Dadaist than just calling your television network Freeform. What's going to be on this? It just shrugs. We don't know. Free fucking it's just form. Just a shrug emoji. Just a shrug emoji. Oh, I love it. I will tune in. 
that sounds interesting. So for the last 10 years, listeners, you've probably been saying like, oh man, I'd love to watch just a Harry Potter marathon for no apparent reason on a weekend. Oh, let's put ABC Family on because it's probably on there. Now you have to turn into Freeform. So yeah, get used to that. Uh, but back to Jack Frost. Uh, here is the synopsis for this one. Like last week, it was basically just the origin story of Rudolph, right? This one was slightly, I don't want to say more advanced, but it's got something a little bit more to do with it than just the origin story of that name. So this story, oddly enough, and we'll talk about this in a second, is narrated by the groundhog named Pardon Me Pete. <laughs> Pardon me. We Pete. have to get into the idea of a frame story here, which right. goes back <laughs> to the Canterbury yeah. Tales, and yeah. you know, based on the Canterbury Tales. Yeah, <laughs> this is a Chaucer-esque <laughs> holiday story. Uh, to be fair, it is it is slightly more advanced than Rudolph, where they just have Burl Ives as a sweater vest wearing snowman roll out of the trees and just say, "Hey, kids, I'm going to tell you a story." Don't be it's different, more or people will yeah. laugh at you. Or a woman. Or possibly a gay dentist. If you're going to be different, though, at least be useful. Thank you. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. And never apologize when you're wrong. All right. So thanks for our lives. Um, so narrated by the groundhog, pardon me, Pete, the special tells the tale of Jack Frost, the winter sprite, and his adventures as a human. So not much more complicated than Rudolph, but it, for people who aren't really familiar with Jack Frost, it's, kind of, it's not really an origin story. It's just one of his tales that he happened to get into with hijinks at becoming a human. So. A little bit of a like a Little Mermaid thing kind of going on there. There's actually a lot we'll of back interesting, to that. yeah, a lot of interesting kind of fairy tale crossovers, and people might get kind of a, a Disney's Frozen kind of storyline in here at some point. Uh, now, granted, this was what 1979, uh, so there's there's just a lot of little bits and pieces at work here. But I think on the whole, it worked it worked really well. We'll definitely tear apart some of the stuff that is definitely outdated at this point. You know, 45 years later, but. Uh, or 35 years later. But yeah, that's pretty good. Do you guys want to start by talking about Pardon Me Pete and his little introduction there? Let's get into it. Yeah. Joe, you have him in the studio, so if you want to just kind of ask him, you know, like, what's the deal? How did he get involved with this? Uh, what were his thoughts during the filming process? <laughs> Does he keep in touch with Jack? <laughs> Are they still running the same scam that they've seen, like, seemingly that's been right. running for years and years and years? Indeed Is they he related are. to Punxsutawney Phil? Indeed, that's the question. Um, so that Pardon Me question. Pete is, is the uh, prognosticating groundhog, um, and he's got Jack Frost's shadow on loan, which um, that's right. he uses as part of a scam to get six more weeks of sleep every spring by you know hanging on for a little bit more winter. And he narrates and takes us back into the story and relates how that deal first originated and uh, introduces the character of Jack Frost and is voiced by Buddy Hackett. Yeah. How about that? Now, who... we did mention who you also... Yeah, yeah. You well, had... you mentioned well, uh... the great point earlier about Buddy Hackett and some of the other work that he's done. Right. The, the voice, once you hear it, it's, it's unmistakable as um, Scuttle, who is the seagull in The Little Mermaid, who uh, tries to tell uh, Ariel about you know, different human uh, implements. Yeah, the old the dingle hopper, the dingle hopper, and the banded bulbous snarflap. Yeah, obviously Ooh. he's a well-informed seagull. Yeah. Absolutely. So Hackett just plays kind of these weird, quirky little characters. I love, I just love the idea of Pardon Me Pete. After you get used to this, because you're like, well, wait a minute, I'm watching a Jack Frost tale, and from what little I know about Jack Frost, he's kind of like this. This he brings winter 
sometimes he's kind of a bad guy. Sometimes he's kind of a, a rapscallion, you know. I did not expect this movie to open with an origin story of Groundhog's Day. Well, and it so spends an awful lot of time interacting with, with the Groundhog. Yeah, there's very little, <laughs> there's very little time spent on Jack's end, but we spend a whole shitload of time with this groundhog in his bed. Yeah, I think he gets like 50% <laughs> of the musical numbers and they're universally <laughs> awful. I love the Now that's the one song I remember though. Go ahead. John. Oh no, I no, uh I love the idea of this groundhog has fooled everybody into another month and a half of of snow so that Jack Frost can continue to creep on women. And he's in just And so that the groundhog can just go back to sleep. Right. So that he can go back That's to sleep. That's all he wants. But no, I mean but, Very it, industrious but it, leads, being lazy. it leads me to yeah. the point that like what a lazy little shit to be able to to set up this this scam. And then as he's as he's getting ready to go back asleep, like as he's getting ready to rest his little groundhog head down on that mm-hmm. delightful, comfy pillow, he mm-hmm. just looks at you and he's like, Hey, I'm gonna tell you how I screwed everybody over for the next six weeks. And you're like, What? <laughs> He's a little shy. Uh, all right. <laughs> thanks, thanks. He's like, well, since you're here, I might as well fill you in on this story. <laughs> yeah. As if you are a guest that he has invited and he feels yeah. very polite. He's a very polite groundhog in the sense that he continues to say, pardon me, for Ugh. seemingly no reason whatsoever. No, yeah, it's, it's just thing. terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I love Joe's eye roll as I say, I'm just like, seemingly for no reason. Joe just goes, oh, God, this <laughs> little shit. That's the pardon me. Uh, stuff uh, is just terrible yeah. some of this I don't know has if they aged came up pretty because... well and some of it has aged very poorly <laughs> yeah and this is one of those things where i don't know if they did it as they were trying to come up with like a marketing gimmick but also had like copyright things because i i think punxsutawney phil might actually be a copyrighted name because oh. there's another one in i think west virginia i could be wrong it might be ohio has a different um a different name Actually, I think there's one in Atlanta named like General Beauregard or something oh like that. My God. So there's all these freaking groundhogs all over the place. That everybody's like laid claim to and named, and you know they haul them out on the second of February every year. So I guess, pardon me, Pete had to be his own thing. It just never really took off. You know, you're not buying, you're not putting a statue. Of, pardon me, Pete. I don't have every a bunch of action though. figures in. in oh, box. I do see that. You got a shelf you know, full of them from over the those years. Those are nice. That's impressive, actually. One of them's moving. That might actually be. That Pete. might actually might be Pete. Yeah, it might be Pete trying to blend in. So the first song that we get, uh, so this thing kind of opens up with like almost like a Groundhog's Day, the movie version where it's like you see these like uh, these newscaster like posters or you see these stills for like a, a news show. And I want to say I loved the artwork that they did for it. I, I sincerely. <laughs> okay. the Like magazine the covers, magazine, like TV guide yeah, covers. Yeah, those were yeah. so, those were so beautiful. I really did enjoy the artwork uh, in those stills. And sort of how yep. they use that to at least set the tone that this is a tradition. And, you know, this groundhog is better than all those other dumb groundhogs. So go to a Hallmark store and, you know, buy a cart or a stuffed animal to support, you know, pardon me, Pete. And then, That's right. you know, they, they just kind of jump uh, into the story of him. I want to say playing coy. Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, his whole thing starts off with, like you said, the newscasters and stuff. And then he, he kind of goes into his song. And like I said mm-hmm. at the uh, the intro, this is the only one I really remember. It's called Me and My Shadow. Yeah. And it's just kind it of like... It stretches little... the very limits of what a song <laughs> is defined as. Yeah. And they do that a lot in this one. They basically get like, they get a handful of words that they put to a tune and, and then more just... More or less them. rhyme. And, more or less. And I, I, the one thing I noticed is that a majority of the choruses are the same word 
said the same phrase said over and over and over so it could be that's so many times it could be me and my shadow and it's just a groundhog just say me and my shadow me and my shadow i'm a map my... i'm a map yeah I'm a map. <laughs> <laughs> just over and over and over again and there, it, it's uh they really push it right to that limit some of them go over the one with the dream presence that one yeah that one almost made me a little crazy yeah. uh, that's the only one i remembered like <laughs> oh, man. stuck well, in because my they head say the same, all these they say years. the same lines and 12 people sing it and it takes two minutes for each one of them to do it that's half the damn movie uh so that one yeah i, I can remember we'll get there in a second so you can just imagine rankin and bass being like stretch it out guys stretch yeah, it out come it on out. we come got a lot on. more commercials like, you can get here. four minutes out of this song also, also, come on do me a favor right. the most uh depressing idea that we're gonna put into this mm-hmm. uh just in terms of poverty let's just stretch that out as far let's just stretch oh let's really God. give this poverty song as much legs as we can to really emphasize just the 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 impact of nothing on these people's lives and dude and not just the song just every facet of their life is just like well how can we make them seem even poorer <laughs> <laughs> we'll get we'll get to poverty of uh, the pumpkin peasants here in a second God. um so so in the song, hbo version of this uh yes, special after. there would yeah. totally be explicit cannibalism that's all i'm saying <laughs> Oh, you think that's what it is? Oh yeah, yeah. explicit, explicit cannibalism. I oh, love yeah. the tag. So, explicit. so Joe, let me let me see if I'm following you on this. In the moment where they're cutting uh, what looks like a uh, an acorn or a summer squash. No, mm-hmm. no, that was not a summer it's squash. It's just it, yes, in the I'm original version. It's or maybe yeah. maybe it's a it's pumpkin. It's just a corpse. It's just a, it's, just, it's, a, it's a corpse. It's just a just somebody's like leg muscle. The crushing it's poverty. a family member. Yeah. yeah. They fell during the last winter and were planted, and now they're being harvested. That's a long time to save a dead body. <laughs> well, things work different in January Junction. Uh, fresh, fresh meat it stays fresh longer uh, due to cold temperatures provided by Jack. I was going to say, which we haven't even yeah. gotten to yet, by the way. As well, that I just fits to right point in with the story that, because they end up talking to, um, pardon me, Pete, forever, and they just keep coming back to him. Every commercial break, they just go back to him. Yes, he, he frames every single thing going to an intro and an outro from commercials. So he's, his one main thing is this Me and My Shadow, which is like this musical kind of montage of him getting dressed and getting ready to go outside. And whether or not he sees his shadow will determine... I mean, you guys know how Groundhog Day works. So we've got this conceit that he is in cahoots with somebody who has this magical shadow. So he's always going to like see the shadow, whether or not there's sunlight uh, in the sky or not. And he's always going to run back in. So that's that we still haven't even gotten to Jack Frost, but now is pretty much where we get to him. So do you, so, do you remember Jack Frost's how he's introduced? Is it during the, uh, the second scene where he's just kind of like a ghost? He, uh, Pete explains that he has a shadow, but it's not his shadow. It's his buddy, Jack Frost. Right. He says, you've never seen Jack Frost because he's invisible. Oh, except for that one time when he was a human. Yeah, right. And I worked out a deal and I got his shadow. I'll tell you that story in a second. It's just like, wait, what? So, so there's that moment where so the, the got, newscaster yeah. is yeah, yeah. paying 25 cents for, I think it was chestnuts from a, yeah, a, so. a cart vendor. And what looks like a weird ghost <laughs> like holds his nose yeah. for like two seconds and... Good animation, because I don't really know how they did that oh, with the style of animation. I have no idea how they did that. So they must. I, I'm wondering if it's just like a hand drawn thing over the cell shaded, like the stop motion stuff. That could be, yeah. Because he's just—it's just kind of like this transparent 
figure of a of a boy who's kind of you can tell he's kind of dressed in like blue and white, almost like a jester's getup. Yeah, um, with like really bright blue eyes. But everybody's familiar with. They pushed the the very limits of animagic on this one. Yeah, (laughs) really did. But everybody's familiar with that with that moment of from the song Jack Frost nipping at your nose, and so they they show it, and I didn't know what it was because you've been introduced to this groundhog telling you how he scams everybody and then suddenly there's this weird ghost zephyr that's like pinching somebody's nose and that's your introduction to jack frost and then the weirdest part was that michael keaton shows up and turns into a snowman i'm the snowman (laughs) but that was a real left turn i've got more jack frost references there's so many can't wait. There's so many, There's so many movies that so, are called Jack Frost. This is yeah, unfortunately, and they're all different they're genres, all, which is really confusing to kids. Not, I don't think any of them are good. And this one's probably yeah, the best. Probably to be honest with you. Yeah. So then we've got so uh, at this Jack Frost introduction, we've got our second song, and this is kind of like the Jack Frost theme. I don't know if I had a name or not, but it was basically just Jack Frost's theme, and it shows him living amongst these villagers, these kids, these humans. And just kind of interacting with them during the winter. So during the winter, he obviously, he brings about snowstorm. He brings about ice and snow and cold temperatures. And, you know, he makes winter last uh, as long as possible until spring thaws him out and then he disappears. But he never really gets to live alongside the humans. He kind of interacts with them and he jokes with them and just like plays little tricks and stuff. But he doesn't actually get to be a part of their community. It is so creepy too. I don't think it's that creepy. It can be creepy. He is standing there waving at children as they're riding toboggans through his ghost body, just wide-eyed, giant (laughs) smile, hand-waving as if they can see him, and then they ride through him, and he turns around, and he's still... Looks like he's cackling like maniacally, like <laughs> these little, these little kids. Oh, I love them so much. They can't see. I just wanted the forever alone meme to pop up on top of him. Well, <laughs> and I was like, Ooh, creepy. And as we get more and more into the story, that becomes more and more appropriate, yeah. I think, sadly. But yeah, it, it could be creepy if you have kind of that mindset. I, again, just took it as like, He's a sprite, so he's kind of like a fairy creature. So he's just made of, he's just pure magic, and he has one particular job to do, and he does really well at it. And then we soon find out that there's a lot of other sprites that they have their own jobs to do, and they all kind of work together in this this sort of machinery to help keep winter going the way it's supposed and this, to. That... But Jack throw the, throws a wrench into that because he doesn't want right. to do that anymore necessarily. No, Go I was going to say, uh, yeah. to throw this out to you and Joe, of these additional fairies and, and sprites, I thought that was relatively fascinating. Did you guys have a, did you guys oh, have a favorite? That. I'll throw it to Joe. I'm going to go with Snip, who uh, handcrafts each and every snowflake. What a job, man. Yeah. Can you imagine that? Sitting there day in, day out, just cutting up ice crystals into snowflakes? Right. I don't know who has the worst job. I mean, he loves it. He, he enjoys it. That's fine, but... So Snip sits there. Do you want to get into these now, or do you want to go back to uh, January Junction quick, like the? Story oh yeah, goes? we can get back into January Junction because we 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 have okay. some big so we, yeah we have some sprites. we have some big things to get into. Yeah. This. yeah, definitely. So okay, so we've got Snip, and like Joe mentioned, he uh, makes all the snowflakes. So every single snowflake that falls across the world during winter time, he makes it, and they're all unique. No two are the same because Snip hand makes them out of these little pair of scissors, which apparently he's got drawers full of. So a little pair of scissors that say snip on it. So you would think, okay, he makes the snowflake. So then what happens? And that's where my favorites come in. 
the snow gypsies, which you don't really, I mean, you don't really find out much about them other than there's a shitload of them. And their job is to just kind of like stand there and like, uh, they're a bucket brigade. <laughs> they're a bucket brigade of snowflakes. <laughs> one at a freaking time though. They take one snowflake, pass it down the line. And then they, they, they have a very important job, ladies and gentlemen, they have to flip the snowflake so that when it lands on earth, it lands exactly where father winter decreed that it should land. It's gotta be just so they have so. to flip snips snowflakes. Yeah. That Sean, that job you? You would drive me bananas. Uh, that would be my nightmare. <laughs> well, where, where do you find yourself in the line of uh, gypsy snowflake flippers? Are you the last guy, the first guy, the middle guy? I mean, you, you almost have to be... I mean, if this is a bucket brigade, you want to be the last guy in line because I, how do you even know? Because if somebody... You want to be the final guy to throw yours because everybody else could have screwed up to that point in time. And if you're the last right. one, you're just like, oh, I flipped it and it made it. We're, we're good. Like, we're all right. We're good. I really hope they have like a snow gypsy union, though, that they like rotate <laughs> through the line every shift. So it's not the same people in the same. They might Cross get, like, training and yeah. Yeah. Something. Right. Or at least you know, switch sides, different side of the line, do some CrossFit <laughs> in the Wintry Kingdom. <laughs> so I like the snow gypsies. They don't really go into them too much, except for one in particular. But uh, Sean, did you have a favorite from these sprites? Uh, it was actually probably the the main sprite i i really liked father winter i thought oh, that was did? a great okay. concept of just this did you like his design yeah that's though? actually his design i thought I was a little lacking but okay it was the fact that he just has this enormous white beard that billows almost and leads into this cloud that he's sitting on top of he has a giant megaphone and he just breathes cold breath down on everybody like he's screaming i can relate to that i can relate screaming at people from high above and so i think i bonded with him he sound he sounded like a cool guy plus i think as we're going to talk about he has the Mm -hmm. ability to be able to grant some wishes and so it's nice he lacks the ability to say no to his son (laughs) creation whatever jack frost he presents presents a pretty compelling case an argument. Uh, so we'll get back to that when we get into Jack Frost as Christ figure. Let's <laughs> yes, get back thank to you. That. That's definitely um, in my notes. Father Winter, um, mm-hmm. Jack Frost. You know, is he a son? Is he a creation? Once, we'll once to become flesh that. and live amongst the humans, yeah. and <laughs> perhaps to put it in Sean's uh, uh, floral or florid, florid. I don't florid. think that's right. <laughs> florid language uh, to yep. smash. Yes. <laughs> to smash so you look father winter okay so that's good we've covered kind of most of the bases we got snip uh the snowflake maker we've got the snow gypsies who flipped the snowflakes down to earth and we've got father winter who kind of oversees this whole thing from his cushy cloud uh, and there's some others that are a little about. rushed yeah we can talk about it. we can talk about holly uh, for whatever why would reason we? she's uh. there for well why is she there right totally skippable they could have made this whole story a lot tighter and just left her out i don't know what She's like the princess well, of the gypsies. Well, they make that comment or... about how any snowflake that is pure white, she holds yes. onto it and ensures that it's cold. It's for Christmas, it? and they totally could have left Christmas that out. Snow. There's a bunch of they, they they could have tightened it up. That's all I'm saying. No, I, I agree. I don't know. They stretch these these fucking songs to exhaustion, <laughs> but they never touch on the Christmas snow or what Holly's freaking job. And, is but Holly Holly is a so to, she is present. She is minuscule. Yes, thank you. Let's put it but they way. don't really give yeah. you her scale until they introduce her, but they don't really give you right. her scale. And so you're like, oh, she's kind of a cute little pixie elf. And then you realize that she's 
like the size of a pencil. Yeah, and like you're like, what the she's fuck? She's a doll. <laughs> she's a child's yeah. doll, basically. <laughs> a living child's doll. Now that That's I find very creepy. creepy. I don't really find invisible Jack Frost waving at kids in toboggans as creepy. Uh, but child doll is super creepy. There's some creepy stuff going on. Um, but yeah, like Joe said, so Snip will occasionally make a very special snowflake. And I don't really know what determines that, but I guess Snip does. And then he calls Holly over. She kind of skates over, takes that to whatever her special Christmas snow hideaway is and keeps it cold until Christmas. And but that never come important back piece of exposition never factors into the story at all <laughs> and is never brought up again. Never brought up again. So they just kind of forgot about that. So she's got an outhouse full of Christmas snow up there that's just rotting away. Um, do we have any other sprites? Uh, there was a... Yeah, outhouse. Yeah, the outhouse. We have the uh, Sleet Sisters. Yeah. Oh, the sleep sisters. And we have somebody right. who I believe his name was just Hale. Uh, no, it's the Hale, Hale fellows. fellows. Thank you. Yeah, so like the sisters, um, they're responsible for sleep, which is terrible. And then we've got the Hale fellows who kind of like they either let Hale go during the winter or they hold it up, uh, they store it up until summertime, so then they can release it during like thunderstorms and stuff. So those guys are jerks. Um, but yeah, they don't really go back to them either. They were just kind of like, hey, we got this this wintry theme going on here. Let's just make up some more. <laughs> sprites i thought that was fun though i thought this whole thing the whole way of like how winter works in the wintry kingdom i thought it was fun i thought, I thought it, was, it was cool and with the exception of the christmas snow stuff that they didn't come back to i thought it was it was well just kind of thought out and very fun and i think they call it world building you know you get the exactly. impression yeah and they, they did a good job a fully formed not... Trip animation yeah so it just didn't follow up yeah on well we have this world building that is for these these sprites and these pixies and then we have right. the world building that's down on Earth. And we have, exactly. we have a couple key characters that are down oh there. Boy, do we? And for some reason, we can't have a Rankin-Bass show without having a Mama and a Papa character. So Who are literally, I just think, named Mama They are. And Papa. They're just named Mama yes. and Papa yeah, again. Okay, I just want to make sure. And they're the pumpkin peasants. They're the pumpkin peasants. And they are... They are... So these people are already looked down upon because they're introduced as in, in the town called January Junction. We have the pumpkin. So peasants. was this? Did the pumpkin uh, peasants and just the the level of poverty was this immediately following the Dust Bowl? Is that the period of time? Uh, it must have been, but whatever whatever the like Eastern European version was of that, because they are instantly introduced as having like vaguely Russian accents. Right. Yeah, but there, only there's this whole Slavic thing going on. Yes, very much. But so. really, yeah. only Mama and Papa, and and this other yeah. character that I'll introduce, who is a Kublik Prowse. He might be my favorite of the whole thing because there is a whole bag of crazy oh, going man. on in there. Uh, this guy, first of all, his name's Kublik Krause. Can we can we talk yeah, about that? I don't I don't know what to do with that name, Kublik Krause. It sounds like it should be way more offensive than it is. It just seems like kind of a slur. Well, there's the rub. But at the same time, there's, there's the <laughs> rub, bub. Yet another song. That's one of Kubla Krause's songs that he, he gets to later. Uh, or you find out a bit more about him. We won't get to that just yet. But he's listing all these things. Like He's like, oh, I could have been a sultan. I could have been a raja. I could Samurai. Have been a, what's the, uh, well, what's, what's the leader? Uh, emperor yeah. or shogun. I could have been all these things, but there weren't. You know, there's none of those people that are around here, so I can't lead them, and that's the rub. And he says it about oh, 50 boy. times. Um, yeah, so Kubla Kraut. Guys, the way that this guy was introduced, I mean, well, first of all, okay, so we got to go back to the peasants who kind of introduced Kubla Kraut in right. name first. So 
they're harvesting their last of whatever their pumpkin slash corpse crop is before winter comes in and wipes everything out, right? Winter is so coming. It's, winter <laughs> is coming, exactly. Before winter descends. Um, so they're harvesting everything. And then Papa kind of has like this furtive look where he's just got, he's got like this little metal coin. And Mama's like, Papa, what's that? What is he called? <laughs> oh, it's it? a Kaputnik. It's, it's a, a Kaputnik. Yep. A Kaputnik. Which apparently, now is where we're going to start to get into the uh, economics of January Junction and the pumpkin peasants. A Kaputnik is one one hundredth of one penny. All right? So a Kaputnik is worth basically nothing. But depending on this economy, I mean, Papa wanted to hold on to it for a while because Kubla Kraus had basically come in. He'd taken everything from these people. He took all their gold, their riches, their horses, tried to take their women folk, all kinds of stuff. And that's kind of how you're introduced because then all of a sudden you you see mama try to like be like why do you have this kaputnik kubla's gonna take it from you and then who comes charging in on an iron metal <laughs> horse kubla kraus who is introduced as the hero of the cossacks yeah that like so... there's so much history in here that again they they hint at it for two seconds but then they never expand that world to really like anything anything they're just they're just just like kids know who Cossacks are, right? They're just little are, subs right? of information, and then they're never fleshed out. No. I mean, the closest we get to that is that you find out that he's the hero of the Cossacks. He's the scourge of the town. <laughs> he's the king of the Cossacks, but there are no Cossacks left. So it's pretty much just him in a castle by himself on the top of a mountain. Uh, and that's all the like, story slash backstory that you get. Basically, like the, the Cossacks were so tired of him and he was such a terrible leader or ruler that they just left. <laughs> they just left and left. So that's that. Do you guys remember his horse's name? Oh no, I forgot. I have it listed as Clang yeah. Stomper. Yeah, I was gonna go with Romper Stomper, but okay. Clang, Clang Stomper, Stomper and then he Clang also has Stomper. a robot. Oh he's he got a, a lot he has, of stuff going on up in Well that, he's got one main castle. robot that acts as a butler. Did you get the name for that? Uh I have them later on once we go back right. to his I've got uh it's it's either Fang Stomper or Clang Stomper, and then Fetch Kletch. Fetch Kletch is the Kletch. Oh, Kletch. And then he's got an army of Knights. Yeah, the Knights. I, I yeah, roll for knights. days. He's also got artificial <laughs> yeah. mice. Yeah. Uh, but he's... And then what's his he's, last... He's got, he's yeah, got yeah. one special friend that we should note. Uh, yeah. Anybody have any specific opinions about Dami? Well, oh, Dami. this is one thing I can bring up is that... Um, on all previous viewings, it never um, got into my six-year-old mind that he's a he's a dummy, and that Kubla Kraus is just talking to himself. That totally went over my head <laughs> at six years old. The fairly important plot point. As it actually this is, time around, yeah, yeah. So so dummy is just like a little puppet, and and um, Kubla Kraus talks for him. Um, but yeah, that, it's that not totally super got clear at first. But yeah, when they when they do go back and kind of show them, they show a two shot. So it's Dami's talking, but Kubla Krause's mouth is actually moving at the That's same right. time. So if you if you watch it close enough, you can kind of tell. Yeah, I think discerning uh, seven year olds can see that, but uh, being only yeah, but six, so it was way beyond six. me. No, it's too advanced. Too advanced. Um, so that that's kind of our introduction to Kubla. He rides in on the Clang Stomper, this this metal iron horse, this robotic horse. Now this guy's got to be fairly like he's either stolen a lot of machines or he's fairly industrious and, and has an engineering knowledge and has I built think they all say things. he builds and them all you think he builds them all he builds them all and that that's what okay. I that as a part of Kubla Kraus I thought to myself this man's a genius right yeah. what 
just insane. He's just right. crazy. The, the, the economy of January Junction makes no sense whatsoever because right. he could be applying this mechanical knowledge to benefit everyone, but instead That's he right. just runs around stealing all the money. It makes no sense at all. Well, he's insane. So he's stealing all their money to do nothing with it, and then nothing. he's just making machines out of rusty and, old like And then pots, sitting basically. up in a castle on Miserable Mountain completely miserable by himself mountain. doing Location, location, location. And he's doing nothing. He's sitting alone in a throne room, sort of like he's making robot uh, last week's uh, on last week's episode was a Moonracer. That's right. Uh, Moonracer, the the uh, the king of the Misfit Toys. Yeah, and so he's just sitting there by himself, holding court for nothing, (laughs) (laughs) and occasionally riding his metal horse down into town to steal any uh, kaput. He must have one of those. uh, Was it those old? Um, the device that people like in the 18th, like early 19th century would like hold up to their ears in order to, to hear better. Oh, the, the, yeah, like the, the phones, the big, yeah, like, the big, like phone, thing. phone thing that they, at any time somebody says, go put Nick, he's just like, well, fire up the iron horse. We gotta, we gotta get down fire there. Up Clang stomper. <laughs> I got thieving to do. <laughs> it's pretty great. But as quick as he shows up, right. he's gone again. And this is when we're introduced to. So the peasants now, they, they take his little Kaputnik, um, and the peasants are like, well, we're all out of money, at least until winter gets here. And I was like, well, wait, yeah, what, it made what no does sense. that mean? And here's where I'd like to turn it back over to Joe to talk about the uh, economies of scale here in January Junction. All right, so once winter gets here... He's rolling up his sleeves, by the they, way. Um, the icicles form, and the folks of January Junction print money. They, they just, instead of depending on solid you know, valuable metal-based currency. They, they just go around sawing up icicles into ice money, and they use it as if it's real money. Um, what, did, what did they call them? What did the narrator call them? The ice money? He, he said they, uh, once winter came, they had a lot coins. of... Ice coins. Well, yeah. He said they also... You could also call them frozen assets. Oh, oh. God, that's right. Uh, oh. Financial humor yeah. for the kids. Which, which makes no sense because assets. if you have frozen assets, that means it's an asset that you can't get a hold of because it's been seized yeah, by the government no. or another foreign body. But it's funny because, because right. ice. Because <laughs> they're like, well, ice money kind of explains it. But I love, I love the fact that you're just assets. like, look, I know it's a bad concept. It's awful. But, Sean, you're missing the obvious point. Ice. Ice. <laughs> you're, you're missing ice. ice. You're missing temperature-related yeah, right. humor, Sean. That's gold. This is almost as good as, um, what was it, Batman Forever? Oh, what did they have? With Arnold Schwarzenegger as uh, Iceman. Ice to oh, meet you. Ice, oh. ice to meet you. <laughs> what? Chill Everybody out. Everybody chill. <laughs> oh, God, don't get me started on it. There's like 64 <laughs> ice puns. Frozen assets. They should have worked uh, that in. They did. I don't think they used that one. I don't know if they did or not. Schwarzenegger was probably Schumacher. <laughs> Schwarzenegger was probably on set. He's like, guys, I can't do any more ice puns. <laughs> Contractually, the, the frozen assets <laughs> joke was the last one that broke him. Okay. So okay, so now we're in January Junction. Jack Frost has shown up. He's done his job. He's still invisible. He's still a sprite now. He's still Jack Frost. Yep. He's done his job. The peasants have ice money. Everything's great except jack frost is feeling a little little randy i don't know what you want to call this here i thought it was really sweet I he thought falls it was in virtuous love with i that's i agree with joe i felt that he had admired admired somebody from afar had heard kind of through the grapevine 
um, i.e. being invisible and standing right next to them when they said it, that she, yeah, that she was also in love with him. Even though nobody really believes that Jack Frost is like a a real living being, he's just the spirit that they kind of attribute the uh, arrival of winter toward. So she's like, I love Jack Frost. I love when winter shows up and everything freezes over and we have all this, we're flush with ice money and we just got all this great stuff going on. I love Jack Frost. And he overhears this, which leads him to then ask his uh, creator, Father Winter slash God, whatever you want to call it, if he can be human for just a little bit. And that leads into all kinds of, all kinds of craziness that opens up pretty so much the rest of I the show. I want to talk about when... Uh, Oh God, this is so, no, no, it's not, not Elisa. Uh, Elisa seemed as if she was a romantic, but also very naive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I could see that. She seemed like just a village, a young village girl. So she's like stereotypical, the ingenue in like very stereotypical, like fairy tale story. So not, not super damsel in distress, at least not right off the bat. So, you know, she, she wants to go out into a field and her parents ask her her why and and the reason is because she wants to go out there and she wants to see it uh bef- like she wants to see Jack Frost's work as it's happening before it's been ruined right. by other people trudging through the snow going to right. and fro and so he she really just wants to be present which is admirable and enjoy things that are happening in the moment and I, I, I could respect that. That's, that's wonderful. But it, it seems just it seems very naive in the sense that she is saying these things. And, and some of the things that she will talk about that I, I know that we'll get into in a bit, just about uh, romance mm-hmm. and love. And I'm, I'm waiting for my, my knight in shining armor. And just how, like right, literally, she says, how the she has yeah. maybe been unable to process the the full adult feeling and understanding of love and and sex and all of these things that are associated and she's just like i'm just i'm gonna tell she's the person that you meet that just says that she loves everything regardless of what the circumstances are you could be in a bathroom line and she's like i love waiting I love waiting. Waiting, waiting's great. That's my favorite and thing. That's the kind of person that I, I will see and just walk away from with not even responding. I'd be like, Ew, I can't deal with you right now. So, but yeah, she's just kind of this sweet, innocent village girl. And you know, I mean, she's straight out of the gates. She's just like, I love Jack Frost, but it kind of in like a joking way because she just loves the arrival of winter. But then she says, like, like Sean mentioned, when her parents ask her what she really wants, she's just like, uh, I just want my knight in golden armor, not shining, has to be golden, golden armor to come and basically sweep me off my feet a, and get married. That's what she wants. And you know that it's from a, day one. But think of these starving peasants. That's just totally unrealistic. Right. Yeah, exactly. I would just ask for like a handful of Kaputniks. Right. But or maybe just a penny, just like one penny. Just whoa, 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 let's good. not get crazy there. That's a hundred yeah. footnecks. That's a lot so of I, I, I guess I, I say all of this about Elisa to then, like, all, all, all of this kind of uh, personality traits about her and her desire and her naivete to kind of build into the idea that Jack Frost, as you said, they, he had this very kind of pure love and affection for her, mm-hmm. which I, I want to say I, I sort of misconstrued as lust. Because this is somebody he's never talked to. He's only ever watched her from afar. He has no real relationship to build 
love and affection on other than him creeping. And then to make matters worse, the deal that he is given from Father Winter is the most insane, unobtainable deal. Go ahead, Dave. Because it. I just I want to pause you there, and I want to hold that. I want to hold that energy because there's one more thing that happens between Jack and Alyssa or Elisa that we should mention before this deal happens. The deal is insane, so I definitely want to come back to that. But just real briefly, so as Elisa is going out to kind of like look upon Jack Frost's uh, miracle of winter, whatever you want to call it. She's just frolicking out by herself with like all the woodland creatures and whatever. By the way, she's a green-eyed blonde, if that helps get this visual in your mind. So she's out wandering around, and at the same time, uh, Kubla Kraus is riding his war horse basically back to Miserable Mountain. He decides to take a path across a supposedly frozen river, and when he does, the weight of the horse basically breaks up all the ice on the river, but apparently only downstream, because he's fine. You never see him again. He gets across the river, he's fine. Unfortunately, Elisa happens to be on that same river, and an ice flow breaks away, and she ends up getting swept downriver. So at this point, Jack Frost is still a sprite, and he actually comes in and saves her. And she, she has this sense that the sprite did something to save her, that something magical happened, that somebody was looking out for her. So she's aware that there's this presence. She just kind of like thanks it, and then just goes on about her merry way. So at this point, I think this might be when she says something like, I love Jack Frost. Yeah. Thank you, Jack Frost. I love you so much. Whatever. Yeah. And he hears it. And she doesn't know he's there, but he hears it. So this is when And he blows it way out of proportion. Way out of proportion. Because he's so deep in the friend zone, he doesn't even yep. realize it. He's been and loving he tries her from afar. And... No. Nope. Yeah. No. Nope. And this is what happens, man. This is actually why I kind of like this story, because it is very much like, uh, as innocent as Alyssa is, um, Jack is equally as innocent and naive on the other side. Because yes. he's never been a human before. He's only observed them. He wants to know what it's like to be one of them possibly to smash, <laughs> but also just kind of fall in love with Alyssa as a human boy. All right. So this is where he takes his, uh, this is where he takes the, the deal up to father winter. And I want to get back to Sean. Cause he's very excited. Uh, about I just, this. I love it. Every time you say smash, Dave, you're like, your grin just goes up all the way from cheek to cheek. Like you're just like, this is dirty. So like the this Grinch is dirty. Is the dirty word. I just try to say it as professionally it. as possible. So he gets up there and, and appeals to Father Winter and says, you know, I, I, I want to be a human. I, I, I want to, like, please allow me to do this. And so, um, you know, through all of the appeal process, Father Winter says, I'm going to need about a thousand years. And so he makes this final argument, which... I'm just so glad he didn't say, like, I'm going to give you a thousand years to cool uh, off or let cooler heads prevail. There weren't a lot of ice puns in this, so I'm, I'm happy there were only a handful. So he gets to this point, and, and Father Winter says, you know what, I'm going to allow you to do it for one season. He's like, but at the end right. of this season, you have to have uh, procured a house, a horse, a bag of gold, and then, and then <laughs> yeah. a wife to make it all worthwhile. So these are the things that Father Winter decries as his, or decrees as his things you need in a human world to get by. So these are things you need in a human world to survive. A house, good. A horse, sure. A bag of gold, I mean, it doesn't hurt. And a wife. So, I mean, okay. 
Nah, how, how do you feel, feel about like this? You look like you don't feel right good about now. this. I'm, I'm sort of Joe, what like do you say? Bit of a yeah, right. <laughs> you would have been a failure. I, I, I'd be I four no times who failure, ha- basically. Who I'm has all of those things? Nobody got a no one in January <laughs> Junction. <laughs> it's the most unobtainable list of criteria to a. You gotta have a rocket ship, a time machine, a thousand diamonds. The the. Yeah, the, the best part is, is that he gives him a season, three months, a, like a quarter of a year, to get these things that no one in this town fucking has. But, but the greatest part of that is, as, as crazy as it sounds, and it is crazy, they actually address it in the story, which I really like the fact that he, like, he sets out these outlandish goals, and eventually you, you find out that Jack, once he's made human, we'll get to that. He is like, oh, I just need these things because he's naive. He's like, well, father said I need these things. And everybody else in town looks at him like, you're crazy. Like, there's only one person in this whole town that has that. And good luck getting it from him. And he doesn't even have all that. So good luck, buddy. You're up that frozen creek. So, yeah, it was funny. But at least they address it. I guess my my main question is, what, what luxurious lifestyle is Father Winter living? Father Winter. He's a fat what? man on a cloud, dude. I don't know how else. Like, <laughs> what, what palatial cloud manor is he living on where he thinks that these are unattainable? This is the baller status that you need to get to in January Junction. Maybe he said it like that because he didn't want Jack uh, to be human. So maybe he was just like, well, here, here is your. That's what I wanted here to hear. Is your kind of like, here's your rumspringer. Here's your three months to go mm-hmm. sow your wild oats and be crazy and be a human. And then you can get your, your cold. Shiny ass back I think to work. it would have been great if Father Winter had given him a weird set of criteria. He's like, you need to go to Cancun <laughs> yeah. and go on spring break. <laughs> <laughs> you need to try a Mai Tai. Just you like, need to uh, go what? get hot yes. wings at a TGI Fridays. <laughs> not an express. It has to be a real restaurant. Like if it was, if it was the most, you must play a scratcher lotto ticket. <laughs> like, just giving him these like obtainable. Murder a homeless man. Oh, read a Brett Easton quick. Ellis book. <laughs> you can do both yeah. those at the same time. It's pretty much a how-to if you read the book. It's, it's exactly what it is. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh boy. <laughs> so at, this is this is. This is time one where Father Winter relents to his creation's wishes. So he's like... He Which he does every of, single time. Every single time. He's Jack asks him, like, well, can we just a little longer? I guess. So Father Winter is basically like, whatever, dude. Just go. You're my son, my creation. Go be made flesh and live amongst the humans. Mm-hmm. No one's ever done that story before. Right. So, <laughs> so that's that. So you've got Jack, and now he kind of falls to earth and does this sort of transformation to like this little blonde still sprightly looking guy but definitely a human all right so he he quite literally falls to earth and is very kind of reminded me of like a dick but he's not on his own character yeah yeah tripping over ottomans everywhere he went kind of a pointy nose kind of clumsy clumsy as shit very angular dancing Uh, with penguins (laughs) yep as you do in a tuxedo so, so he gets he gets down to town and he begins <laughs> yeah right but he's not on his own he is joined by uh snips and holly are also made human and sent which under i have I, they're also made human i have to say that i love that because they had no desire to do such a thing he father winter was just like you two are gonna go 
despite your incredibly important jobs up here, because without Snips and Jack Frost, winter is shut down. The snow gypsies aren't doing anything. Holly's gone. There's no Christmas snow. Yeah. What's going on up there? You well, know what I mean? And again, though, do they contribute to the story in any meaningful way from there on out? Like Snips, he's kind of your, your comedy relief. Holly, Holly doesn't do anything. She literally Holly just gets carried around. Holly is tucked into Snips's arm like a football. And Snips is like a tiny little yeah. person to begin with. And then he's carrying her around like a doll. Now, so I want to, because we're talking about this in terms of size and proportion for her. Now, she is introduced right. to Mama and Papa. Right. So at this point, Jack has met Elisa. She, he introduces himself as Jack and then catches himself and says, Jack, Snip. I'm a tailor, and I need a job, so she brings him home. So at this point, the actual Snips uh, and Holly arrive at Mama and Papa's, and they're introduced, and this is, uh, it, Snips gives some outlandish name, which is ridiculous. I've got, no, uh, do you, do you have, have it, it written down? <laughs> uh, I think I have it. Hold on, let me see. Oh, Leonardo what I've got, something something. What I've Fernando. got is Fernando Leonardo Crizzi yep, Papadopoulos. And they look at him and he's just like, that's the that first thing that came to my mind. What? That's the first thing? Your yeah. name is Snips. We should also mention that, and I want to I ask Joe this in a second, but we should mention that Snips gives his magic scissors to Jack before he goes back to Earth to become a human and then just shows up with him anyway. So does he actually use those scissors for anything except just tailoring? Yeah, minor tailoring, yeah. nothing special. Nothing special, okay. So magic, unique snowflake cutting scissors just so, used to so, be a tailor. Yeah, just, okay. yeah, totally mundane cape yeah. tailoring. So again, Joe, to your sure. point, thing that could have been very impactful and is really built up right. at the beginning, zero payoff. Well, right. This brings me to a point that creeped me out when Holly okay. when Holly point is introduced two. to Mama and Papa. Did you hear what right. Mama the question that she asked? Um, it was something to the effect of like, "Why is she so small?" I was more stunned by the response. Well, did that you they hear gave, what Mama but... the question she asked? She goes, "What is she? Is she an almost?" Oh, really? Yeah, that's what is that I heard. What she said, "Weird." Like an almost. I was so uncomfortable. Oh, I did not hear that. I have to go back and listen to it. Yeah, that and it was mean. A and lot it was of very weird because I watched it twice to try to grab it, but it said it's a line of dialogue that's said over other dialogue that's happening. So it's two people talk, yeah. like two or three people talking at the same time, and you just hear it go. She an almost, and I went, "Oh no, what is this?" Mm, don't know. But the the answer that they give her is almost as bad. Because he's basically like, "Oh, she was a gypsy princess that insulted the king, and they cursed her to be really tiny." And they were just like, "Oh yeah, no, totally you're making that." Up. <laughs> <laughs> just like that totally makes sense. <laughs> If that's your if that's your if that's your justification for why she's so small, you could have just said malnutrition. We live in a poor fucking yeah, town. Exactly. Bam, there it is. Been, right. Have you seen like, these freaking peasants? <laughs> We're the pumpkin peasants, we totally get it. But no, they made it some sort of gypsy curse that they were also totally fine with. Like, yeah, you well, know, that just happened to my I cousin. Pause yeah. And and say okay. there it 
feels like there has been so much that has gone on in this show at this point. But it's all and just it's a, establishment. It's, this show is, it is only, what, 47, 48 minutes in length. And yeah, we're at, like, yeah, mi- we're at minute marker 30, and they're <laughs> still, nine. like, we're just introducing yeah, no. characters. Like, here's, like, cavalcade of <laughs> oh, There's more to come. No, they're like, hard. It's, it's insane. It's in, it just feels insane. And we're at the point now, like, we're at the precipice where the, like, things will begin to ramp up. And it's a very quick right. conclusion, but I just want people to know, this show is 95% exposition. And then, we like, haven't even settled on the anthropomorphic yeah, duck. The family yet. duck? No, the, I, I, we need to. Yeah, the family, <laughs> the family duck. duck. Good thing that oh, family yeah. duck was out entertaining Indeed some friends. Indeed, he was. <laughs> oh my god! And um, yeah, we still have another character well, who we might as well talk about now because this is about the so time he shows the up point in the town. Now where we have, uh, we have Jack and Snips and Holly are living with Mama and Papa and, and Lisa, and they're, and they're, they're working as set up a tailoring business, and so they are, they are doing stuff, and then every day this thing has happened until one day this new thing occurs. And even before this new thing occurs, there's not much going on between Alyssa and Jack. Like, they're kind of occupying the same space, but they're not, like, going out on dates. They're She's not helping in a shop hands. all the time, but... Yeah, but that. you don't really see anything kind of Totally platonic. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Until somebody opens the door one day and it just happens to be, lo and behold, I have Sir Raveno. Yeah, Raveno. Is that right? Yeah, Sir Raveno. Sir Raveno, the golden knight, uh, basically. He walks in like the, like the sun shining because he comes in with all kinds. Sean is smitten right now. He comes in and he's just like covered in golden armor with like a red and white flowing cape. And he's just like, hello, I am Sir Raveno, returned from wherever the hell I was for the holidays. He was helping yeah. King Arthur. Oh, I didn't. I didn't get yes. that. I didn't get yeah, that. yet another throwaway line. There's just yeah, just, just hanging out with King Arthur. So much in terms of <laughs> ideas and potential. It's as I want to say this. It's as if nobody while writing this show listened to anybody else. They every, every <laughs> or they were. Just I, I know like, that this was written by one guy, but I feel like he came in every yeah. day with a new set of agenda, <laughs> like a new agenda. He's like, oh, yeah. yeah. He had just read a new a new history book from a different section of the world on that particular day. He's like, "Oh, I read about these Cossacks and their invasion and then their departure." And then, "Oh, I read about the British legendary King Arthur this one day." And then, "Oh, I read about these like Celtic fairy tales about wintry sprites." Let's put it all together. It's could and have never been something where it. he subscribed to like so an Encyclopedia just, Britannica yeah. and just every week was getting a yes. new book. Whatever issue came up. Yeah, exactly. One was just on, on tailoring and how to like cut and sew your own patterns. So, Sir Raveno. Sir Raveno. He shows up, he needs his cape tailored. But I was going to say, luckily, why would he show up the at town has yeah. a tailor as of That's right. late. Now, here's the thing you would think that, okay, this Golden Knight walks in. He's trying, he's already hitting on your girl that you have changed yourself from sprite to human just to get close to. And now, this guy comes in and he has, he's basically, he's hitting on your girl and you have to do yeah. work for him. I, I, he doesn't, Jack I, doesn't seem to have any real I reaction would to that. Screw that, that cape up, something fierce. <laughs> just, just right, shrink der- it in the dryer. So derogatory terms into it. <laughs> That's yep. right, in all different languages. Something offensive for everybody. <laughs> I don't think you'd be in the tailor business too long, something tells me. But no, Jack. Jack doesn't care. We never really see what happens there. Instead, what do we cut to? So, like, Rabino is now in town. 
and it's coming up on Christmas time in town. But remember, this is a town full of peasants. Right. Right? So what are people going to do for Christmas they, time? They do... They do what would you, how would you solve uh, it? Actually, if you are unfamiliar, but uh, the, the town folk of January Junction are exquisite at giving everybody the perfect gift every single year. You know why? Because they, they give that? their friends and their family an empty box mm-hmm. that is Sounds that is filled terrible. with your dreams of Oh, so you would call them, them like dream presents and maybe make a song about dream it? presents and I would again, I would stretch the oh. same song no. out for five fucking yeah, this minutes. This can't possibly be more than what? One minute? Oh this god, a long this song. long song, long yeah. song. Because everybody gets that same empty box. Here's my favorite part: is that they don't even wrap up an empty box per person. They wrap up one fucking empty box, pass it around for everyone to open, and then have a reaction shot of just like, "Oh, this is the best. This is a thing that I need, and I'm so glad that you got it, and it's the best present ever." Now, Joe, this is the song that you said you remember maybe most of all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, is it just because they say the same thing fifty times? Probably. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Have you ever gotten a dream present? No. That's good. I don't think my parents ever tried to pull that one over on me either. So. I want to know how they can afford an empty box. <laughs> That's true. That's the same one from year to year. I think they, they keep it secret and safe. You'd every think year. the Kubla Kraus would come by and be like, give me <laughs> that, that box. box. <laughs> he's, taken, he's taken everything else. Why not? He has taken everything else. But he's got no interest in their pumpkins. Like the actual food he can like eat, he just stuff. walks off. And it's yeah. it's not at all obvious that he's spending the money he takes to, you know, what's his supply line like? Where's he getting he's all this iron from? just the coins from? down and turning it yeah. into mice. The economy of this town, something's fishy, I'm telling you. <laughs> There's something fishy. So, okay, so at this point, we do get one actual present that's exchanged. All right, and that is from Rabino. To Alyssa. Yeah, big fancy man comes into town with his yeah. actual presents. Yeah, with actual presents in a box. I love that she asks if it's a wand first. He's like, no, dummy, this is a real present. Not stuff you're made up. Like I was hoping present. that when she gave him the box, that she didn't open it, and then she yeah. just broke into the, like, you shouldn't have. You didn't. Oh, my. Oh, <laughs> my. Just I really singing. didn't deserve it. Yeah. And he's I think like, I'll cry. <laughs> just, no, just op- just, Can you just open it, please? Just Lady, open just it. open this box. <laughs> crazy. You're the only girl of marrying age in this town, but you're fucking crazy. I want to say this. To her yeah. point, she's a pretty sexy stop-motion animation character. Yeah, I'll give it to her. <laughs> yep. He Wait, totally did I say did. that? Are we recording? Oh, I'm sorry. I thought that was just kind of... She's pretty attractive. She's pretty attractive. She's quite good-looking. She's got big doughy eyes and, um, you know... Literally doughy. Large. Like D-O-U-G-H. <laughs> Eyelashes. Doughy. Yeah. Play doughy eyes. eyes. Oh, God. <laughs> so, okay, we are not the only ones who have fallen in love with uh, Alyssa at this moment, because even though Rabino gives her uh, a single red rose, which is you oh, know, you a classy thing to do there, guy. That's just, he's just <laughs> tipping her for fixing that cape. Oh, that makes sense. Even though I don't Probably think not. she did anything to it. No. Probably not. Uh, so someone else um, happens to that set his eyes upon mm-hmm. Alyssa at this point. And this is creep-ass Kubla Kraus <clears throat> up on Miserable Mountain. With, like, a telescope. Yeah, like a creepy telescope and, like, Dommy by his side. So if we're, if we're out creeping each other here, I'm going to say Kubla Kraus is creepier than Jack. Because he's just spying on maidens with a telescope I mean, this from really his mountain is, on high. 
Oh, and then kidnapping right. him with I mean, his metal This really horse, is by the way. a show yeah. of creeps, of male creeps. It's a male creep show. It's a male show. creep show. Well, we male have creep variety we have, hour. We have the single most uncomfortable line and the most misogynist, sexist line that is said that really took me aback. I, I don't. So this one's worse than is she yeah, in almost? This one is. This one's absolutely worse Ew. than is okay. she in almost. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, this All this right, what you got? made this this made me angry because in no way, shape, or form did it serve what was going on in the in the show. It didn't serve the plot. Mm-hmm. It was it felt intentionally misogynist, and I, I hated it. It's uh, Kubla Kraus looking at Elisa and just goes, "She's a woman, therefore I will win her." Yeah, there's this kind of like back and forth in a sing song. Oh, he's got between. yet another song. Oh my god, they're so. And bad. this is the weirdest one, I think, because it's him and Dami, which, if you remember, is his him little metal himself. dummy. So it's his song, sung with himself. So it's his little kind of like split personality, crazy cabin fever guy at this point. Right. Also rapey and misogynistic. So, so he's have, got a whole have, bag of crazy going on. Deal. We have a whole bag of problems in this show. We have sexism. Uh, we have misogyny. We have mental illness. I mean, d- we're just re- yeah, not, being, not being diagnosed or treated. We are just running Straight up the thievery. fucking gambit in terms of things that were probably taboo in the late seventies that people were not willing to address. This was the the era where people were just like, yeah, just rub some dirt in it and and walk it off. I don't see what you're. Or the one that I hate is, eh, why, don't you, why don't you just buck up? Ugh, buck up, champ. So at this point, so Alyssa's been captured, and I think a certain family duck comes into play here, Joe? Yeah, the family anthropomorphic duck who didn't need to be in this movie (laughs) at all. Well, he's only witnesses the kidnapping and, you know, runs home to tell everyone about it. It it could have been tightened up a lot there. I just love that the groundhog says it like he knows this duck personally. He's like, luckily, for Alyssa's sake, this family duck was hanging out, entertaining some friends, and went back and told everybody. So. At this point, the whole family kind of gathers, gathers around, and they go up to Miserable Mountain. Um, Raveno is leading the charge. He's basically he's pulling the sled with all the other idiots in tow behind him, and they're going to uh, assault Miserable Mountain. The problem is they've tried this before. The front of Miserable Mountain is super slick and super steep slippery. and icy, and they just weren't able to do it. Well, they didn't have Raveno before, so he does some sort of crazy green arrow move and just... He's got his sweet crossbow. That's right. He just kind of grappling hooks his way up there. No big deal. But then rather than follow him up there and help him fight the like thousand robots, soldiers that are up there. Oh, I'm sorry. The Knights. Knights. I apologize. The Knights. Uh, you can kill all of them, by the way, because they're just robots. So it's totally cool. Rather than follow him up that line, Jack and Snip go around the backside because now they've finally figured out, oh, maybe the backside of this mountain is a little less steep. <laughs> they haven't tried it for the past six weeks. Oh, God. So they end up getting captured. Rabino ends up killing all these knights, knights, but he also gets injured. But he so saves the girl. A, he does save the girl, and then she saves him because she takes him back to her sweet, sweet clay bed and tends to his wounds. Meanwhile, they just leave Jack and Snip totally in the wind. They're just like, well, they got captured. I, They're probably dead. So I think Rabino's line home. of he, his arm in a sling, and he's, <laughs> he's sitting in the bed, and he's thanking uh, Elisa for... For, for helping him and he's like I'll be better by spring and I, I'm sitting there like what how <laughs> well he just straight up like there he's laying there she's tending to his wound and he's just like I'm gonna get better 
spring's gonna get here we'll get married then we'll have babies this is moving and then over time really quickly like, wait hold it's on moving really quickly <laughs> but she's totally fine with it she's totally fine with it she's she's ready to go the only thing is she's kind of sad that like jack's not around not because she loves him because she wants right. to invite him to the wedding that's it. She's like, I kind of miss that little guy. He was like a real special friend, which if Jack could hear that, it's just like, fuck, yeah. man. It just takes me back to high school. Like every exactly. time you hear that. This is the worst so high let me, school. Yes. Let yeah. me Dude, ask right this question. Heart, to... Shoot, how many now? times have I heard yeah, that in I, my life? I know the, I know I the answer. Keep, I don't keep a count, uh, Sean. I want to ask. I have a notebook, I wanna ask but I don't Joe, keep a count. Had mm-hmm. Jack heard that comment, do you think that the end of the program would have ended the way that it did? Or would have he gone on? No, he would have gone freezing people left and right. He would have <laughs> gone, gone on a rampage. Villainous. Yeah, it would have been Jack Frost that live action horror comedy instead of this. God, yeah, that's a movie. Why movie. not? So at this point, so Jack and Snip are trapped up in is Hollywood? Yeah, too? she's I think Holly's captain. Yeah, yeah. She's, yeah, she's, she's, she's a little Nerf football yeah. just tucked into his arm nook. She, she, she's in her football. So at this point, uh, they're imprisoned. And the only way that they can think to get out of it, Jack's like, well, I can call down a snowstorm, trap all the Knights that Kubla uh, Kraus is going to send into the village, like decimate the village and wipe everybody out. He's got a thousand of them. I need to stop them here. So he tries whistling to like call down a snowstorm. I think Snips tries to like, tries to do something as well. And it's not working because they're humans. So at this point, Jack, without really giving it a second thought, just calls out to his dad, and they're all turned back into Sprite. So he kind of gives up his humanity. He in order sacrifices to save his human form in order to exactly. save his friends. Christ figure. Yep. Yeah, the weirdest thing was when they crucified him on like a weird <laughs> icicle cross, and then just like jammed an icicle crown in his head, yep. and then stabbed him a bunch of times with icicles. It was a little over the top, but it went past <laughs> oh, the censor, so I guess it's fine. Oh, and then they buried him in a wampa cave. That was strange. Too. It was a good tie-in though with Star Wars because, uh, you know, it episode was a really one had just come yeah. had come out at that point. <laughs> it was, well, yeah, like episode New four. Hope, thank you. Episode four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. <clears throat> so yeah, that was a little strange. Uh, but so he's back to being a sprite. Now this is the second time that his father does not deny him. So he does not deny him three times. Jack goes back up, and his dad's like, "Well, spring's coming. So sorry, but you can't call down a storm." Because Spring's here. And how do I know Spring's here, Joe? Because, pardon me, Pete, he's going to keep an eye on that little rodent. And if he sees his stupid shadow, then, hey, presto. Well, no, if he doesn't see a shadow, then I guess Spring's here. But anyway. It's, the, the whole point was that, like, he has this cue. His, his Father Winter is like, hey, man, like, yeah, I don't decide when winter's over. I got to take no. cues from my boss, too. And I, I take cues from nature. So I was expecting some, like, grand explanation of, like, Mother Nature who, like, dropped nope. him a memo and was just like, it's springtime, bitches. Rodent. No, no, no. He takes his cue from a groundhog who wakes up. Uh, I feel like, so, uh, yeah. I feel like the, the chain of responsibility at some point got, re- something got real screwed something up. Something got messed up. <laughs> something got, so some chain of command. It, I'm here. sorry. You, you mean to tell me that a, that a groundhog controls a cloud god who makes winter mm-hmm. you know what cloud let's guy. do it yep. let's do it because that's how groundhog day got started and that kind of brings it back around to the point that i was like wait is this where they're going to end this damn story uh, did it feel like a false uh, ending yeah. to you guys at all there were so many false endings in this yeah thing. there were a few 
It was like the last. It's like Hobbit nothing but exposition and endings. <laughs> yeah, nothing happens at all. It's just <laughs> a lot of description and setup, and then it's concluded the end. But there's actually so there's so Jack now asks his dad for a little bit more time, and Father Winter tells him like I can't because this groundhog thing. So then Jack's like, well, all right, I'll go talk to this groundhog. We'll set up some sort of deal where. Maybe I give him my magic shadow and then we get six more weeks of winter. Lo and behold, that's exactly what happens. Because the groundhog just wants to hang out and sleep for another six weeks. And that's that's the All he's needed is an excuse this whole time. Yeah, so this entire show at this point has been an excuse for that groundhog to get an additional six weeks of sleep. That's what this entire machination has been about. From Kubla Kraus to the raping of Elisa to the ice cave sacrifice of Jack Frost. It's all been so a little groundhog can sleep six more weeks. It's insane. Everything's insane. But it's not over yet, kids. We're getting there. So, so Jack now has six weeks to shut Kubla down, right? So he calls upon the storm and he just storms. He hits him with everything he he's got. Gives it with everything he's got, but only on Miserable Mountain. Like the right. town's totally fine. They're fine. Yep. They're still flush with ice money. Everything's fine. But they're not getting like inundated with all this snow. So. Kubla, his entire castle is just covered in snow. His robot knights are like stuck in snow. But he's only got those six weeks. So Jack, once uh, nature kind of comes back and says, hey, look, I really got to bring spring in at this point. Jack once again goes to his dad and says, just give me, make me human one more time and I'll go back down and I'll fix all this. And of course, his dad is just like, yep, you totally got it. I'm going to give you one hour to get all those things that I told you about. Again. Which, remember, is a house, a horse. Impossible. In in one hour. It would be impossible, except for the fact that previously, when he brought this up with the townspeople, with Mama and Papa, they were just like, okay, first of all, idiot, uh, there are no more houses for sale. That's why you have to live with us and be a tailor. The only horse in town is a metal monstrosity that was created by uh, Kubla Kraus. There is no gold because he has it all, and the only like eligible bachelorette in town is already basically uh, fiancéed to uh, Rabino the Golden Knight. So you're out of luck. Yep. And now he has one Carry hour to duck. do it. <laughs> Carry that duck. <laughs> Just marry into the family with that duck. Yeah. Guys, like don't, nice you, don't you remember when that Probably Christ-like fine. figure married a duck in the Bible? <laughs> that one was written out, I think. It's right in those Dead Sea Scrolls. <laughs> the Gospel of the Duck. <laughs> the Gospel of the Duck was not... Uh, in any translation that I remember. So now he's got, <clears throat> he's got one hour, right? Now, remember that this dummy still has to come into play. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Okay? And this, this castle has had snow upon its roof for the last six months or more. Like, heavy, heavy snow. Totally Basically key. rotted all the timbers away. All right? So Jack comes back down as a human and goes right to the castle. Where, again, lo and behold, the roof just collapses on Kubla Krause and basically knocks him out. Knocks him out long enough that Jack is able to steal his dummy, do a spot-on impression of Kubla Krause. Was it voiced it by the same been, guy? Yeah. Is that how they got around that? Because they made a joke like, oh man, his impression was great, so it had to be the same guy. Um, and he like props Kubla up in the window, takes a little dummy up there, and then orders all the, the Knights to just march off the edge of a cliff so that they all just smash themselves to pieces down in the valley. You'd think that'd be all well and done, but then Kubla Khan. Kubla Khan. <laughs> I knew it was coming at one point. It was going to happen. Damn it. So close, guys. So Kubla Kraus comes back. Do you remember what happens when he tries to attack Jack? Either of you? He just like misses him and flies out the window. 
there's no action that happens in this whole fucking thing. He just, he completely dives right by him out the window. And then his father winter, for whatever reason is like, well, I don't want to kill this guy. He just, they couldn't show violence. I'm sure. Exactly. So they just exactly. psh, blast him off into, yeah. You know, they send this little like icy Zephyr down right. to just you know spirit him away or whatever. Tender adult relationship between a man and a duck but they can't have a guy mm. fall out of a window to his death. I, I don't understand the world we live in. It'll change someday. We just got to keep trying. Be <laughs> agents of change. Keep writing your anthropomorphic oh, duck oh fanfic. It'll be all right. It'll be all right. Okay, so pretty much Jack's uh, got everything that he needs, right? He's got, yeah, because he, he, he steals the gold. Yep. He's got Kubla's right. house. He takes his right. horse thing. Yeah, What's he need? all he needs yeah. is a wife. Oh hey, there's a perfectly good wife chick waiting down in. Uh, I'm uncom- I'm a, I'm just uncomfortable. Let's go down that and we're check just her like out. perfectly good wife chick. Well, that's why I did it because the that's very definition of objectification. Point. She's literally a checklist <laughs> yeah, right? item on his his <laughs> you know becoming a real boy list. She is a third time uh, for this list, but now she's finally free. Oh wait, now by the time he gets there, she's already in her wedding gown with creep ass right next to her right next to her lock and locking it down as she's getting like dressed man he is not taking any chances well she's already been you know kidnapped and almost raped once who knows what this jack creep is doing so here's the saddest part though man like he's he talks to papa and he basically says papa basically says like i don't think she was ever in love with you jack she told me that she loved jack frost and I know she's in love with uh, Sir Rabino. Don't think she ever mentioned you in that same kind of sentiment. He's just like, well, shit. And just turns back into a sprite and pretty much goes on yeah, about it. just vanishes way. right there. Yeah, that's, that's the ender. That's the knockout punch. When the dad says like, nah, I'm not even worried about you because she never even mentioned you. Like, that's the last thing you want to hear, man. That's so sad. Do you guys remember what he does as like a parting gift before her wedding? He gives her... Terminal frigidity. He does. Yeah. <laughs> just frozen from the inside out for life. Yeah. Kind of the. the... She's just. <laughs> Terminal <What is> frigidity. <laughs> I don't know. It's terrifying. Slightly sweeter version. Uh, she He kind of gives like a kiss to right. her bouquet of roses and they freeze over and the knight's kind of creeped out. He's like, what the hell was that? She's just like, oh, it's just uh, a kiss. Kiss for the bride from an old friend. And it's kind of sweet, but also like really sad at the same time. But she doesn't know that Jack Snip was Jack Frost. No, it's never revealed to her. She never puts it together. Never puts it together, man. Now he goes back up to like Wintry Kingdom and just does his sprite thing, and maybe creeps on another girl another day. How many times? I think Father Christmas star and Rise of the Guardians after this. Would you say, Jeff? I think Father Winter would sign on for that. Like, oh yeah, we'll try this again. You just need to get me a. you know, and, and turns it into a scavenger. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I need a I need a 64 inch TV. I need a, a blonde Xbox pubic one. hair. Do you, do you think at some point that more. Jack would uh, sort of address this with Father Winter, and Father Winter would be like, "Look, Jack, you've gone down a couple times. It's now my turn." <laughs> and, oh no! Jack Frost too. Papa, Papa's home. Father Winter, a go go. Oh God. Father Winter gone wild. Oh, man. I don't want to see that. Normally, I want to see these things, not that one. Uh, That's it, ladies and gents. Do you guys have any final thoughts for uh, Jack Frost here before we get to our uh, recommendations, reviews? 
Uh, well, you know, one thing I'd like to add from the Wikipedia and IMDb yes, deep dive is um, just a couple of um, also known as um, uh, aspects to this. Okay. Um, so Father Winter slash Kubla Kraus, same voice there as Paul Fries, oh, okay. uh, who had a, a tremendous career over 30 years. Um, but the most notable thing for him, in my opinion, is that he is uh, the voice at the Haunted Mansion and Pirates of the yeah. Caribbean at Disney World. Wow. I love that uh, his last name's Freeze, by the way, for this. Oh, That's man, you're so right. That Victor totally Freeze? got by me. All good. Uh, no, no, Paul Freeze. Um, pardon me, Pete, as we mentioned, is Buddy Hackett also voices Scuttle and, you know, huge career as a comedian. Um, the reporter is actually a real reporter. He, he oh, was cool. the Today Show for years. Um, Snip is Don Messick, who is everyone in everything. He's, he's Papa Smurf. He's Dr. Quest. He's in Transformers. He's in G.I. Joe. He's Boo Boo from Yogi Bear. He's Bam Bam from the Flintstones. He's Scooby-Doo. He's in the Jetsons. He's in Tiny Toons. He's been in everything. It's phenomenal. And he's Thank Snip, so who could have been cut from the story completely. Uh, yeah, uh, of all the things that could have been cut from the story, that duck, Holly... <laughs> The hail fellows, Sweet so sisters. many things. But, but with that in mind, Joe, since you brought this to our attention, I'm going to ask, do you recommend this uh, for the folks out there to check out? For the eight and under crowd, absolutely. Um, nice. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's a really good fun time. Um, I, I don't think it ages as well. Um, you know, there are, there are the Christmas movies you can still watch as an adult and still get a kick out of. This one doesn't do it for me anymore. Gotcha. Sean, how about you? Interesting. I would say if you're looking for something silly and, and after a, a couple pints of Christmas cheer and you want to watch something maybe that you've never seen before, maybe that's a little bit more on the fringe regarding these Rankin-Bass specials, then, then check it out if you are a Rankin-Bass fanatic. Otherwise, I, 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 I'm glad that I watched this. Would I watch this again? I, I don't know that I would. I don't know that I would. Hmm. I think for me, since I hadn't seen it before, and I was really kind of impressed with how childlike and innocent and magical a lot of the, the story elements were, I, I really liked it. I might actually make this kind of part of my annual just kind of holiday movie watching, special watching. I might try to put this in the rotation. Um, and then we'll see how quickly <laughs> I get tired of it. But I thought it was a lot of fun. It did not have as many issues as Rudolph did. Rudolph was probably a little bit more of a complete story. This thing had a lot of kind of loose frayed ends, but it wasn't nearly as terrible for children uh, uh, yeah. as Rudolph actually was in <laughs> retrospect. There's also, I want to make a quick note, there's another Rankin-Bass special. I mean, there's a bunch, but there's another one that's actually done in kind of an anime style of animation called The Stingiest Man <laughs> in Town. And it's a take on A Christmas Carol. Yeah. No and it is, way. it is almost unwatchable. It's really just irritating <laughs> <laughs> the songs that are in it are just it's not good it's not good which is disappointing but for this one uh i i really like the animation style i like that it's a little bit uh, lesser known than rudolph i like that it's not as commercial and yeah they still do play it around this time of year it's weird that it's a groundhog's day special episode yeah it's, it's groundhog's day there's a lot of focus on christmas i i, yeah. I don't know i feel like it's just quite we're just um i feel we're gonna like call it I our feel wintry like mix it's a little uh, unfocused this cartoon also could have been a justification for Easter. Yeah. Well, if you actually, if you watch Rise of the Guardians, an animated right. CG film that came out a few years ago, 
they make they basically make Santa Claus, Jack Frost, the Easter Bunny, and I think like Spring in some sort of sense uh, into superheroes. Basically, I like the flick. It's not the best thing you'll ever see, but it's fun. So it's a different kind of take on this Jack Frost thing. So hmm. check out Rise of the Guardians too. But for another opinion on this particular one, I'm going to turn it back over to Joe, <clears throat> who's going to read us a user review for Rankin Bass's Jack Frost. All right, my friends laugh at me, but I love it. Uh, Ice Bean from Knoxville, <laughs> Tennessee says, I watch this thing religiously no matter what time of year it is. Ask my friends. They'll roll their eyes and say, yes, she really does watch it all the time. <laughs> Ice Bean, we have asked your friends, and yes, they did say that. So uh, thank you for oh, watching that with us. Ice Bean. All right, guys. Well, this is actually our last show of the year. So before we wrap everything up here, I just want to say, Joe, thank you so much for coming back. This is, I believe, your third episode now. That's uh, right. It's us. a pleasure, fellas. Yeah. I really appreciate being here. Thank you. And I, I want to say thank you again, as always, to Sean, our, our co-host, our producer, our man about town, our Tumblr manager. He does so many things that I can't even keep track of all of them. So thank you again, buddy, for another great year here. This is crazy that we're oh, coming man. up on episode 100. Yeah, we're, I got to thank you as well, Dave, uh, for all the things that you just listed about me. Dave does an enormous amount of things behind the scenes to get the show up and running. And so I could not do this without you, man. So thank you. Awesome. Uh, now it's time for uh, some plugs and contact info. So Joe, do you have anything coming up uh, other than your, you know, your new year's plans and maybe you <laughs> want to share with the folks out there? Uh, um, shout out to uh, another child coming. Congratulations, in early man. January. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you bud. very much. Um, but besides that, I'm still just a private citizen, and you can catch me on Twitter. I'm at nice. Crazy Joe Gallo. Awesome. John, uh, what about you? What I you have just concluded up? a six-week run of shows for Washington Improv Theater, and we will start off another run of shows in January, February, and March. Uh, but before that, I'm going to be performing in San Diego uh, over Valentine's Day weekend for the San Diego Improv Festival. I'll be performing there on February 13th at, uh, I believe, 9 or 9.30. You can check it out online. Just search for San Diego Improv Festival. Hope to see you on the West Coast. And you can find me, as always, on the Grams and the Turs at Sean Paul Ellis. And I really just want to, I want to shorten it. Gramter? Like Gramter or something. Insta-tweets. Insta-tweets. In- Gramter, Insta-tweets, at Sean Paul Ellis. And David, what are you up to, buddy? Perfect. Well, first of all, we're going to have all that information up on our website for uh, you guys to check out. So you don't have to worry about jotting down those dates. We'll have it supplied for you. As for me, you can find me on Twitter, not Instagram, uh, at DrClawMD. You can also find me over at Collider.com. We've got a lot of uh, cool new content at the end of the year here, and then once the new year hits, we're going to be rolling just like normal. So I will be recapping shows like The Flash, Arrow, Walking Dead. I think that'll be it for me, but we have some other mid-season shows that are coming up that uh, some other fine folks will be covering as well. So you can check us out over at Collider.com. If you're interested in finding out more about Saturday Morning Cartoons, you can do so at our website, SaturdayMorningCartoons.com. Remember, that's morning with a U. You can also follow us on Twitter, at MorningTunes. Check out Sean's handiwork on Tumblr, SaturdayMorningCartoons.tumblr.com. We've got a Facebook page. We have a YouTube account. You can listen to us each and every week through iTunes and Stitcher. And you can also send us an email just to say, hey, you like the show, or give us a suggestion for a future cartoon, SaturdayMorningCartoons at gmail.com. Now, since we're wrapping up this year, we are going to be headed into our second round yes. of New Year's Nicktoons. John, buddy, which one are we going to head off uh, we, 2016 we with this 2016 time around? New Year's Nicktoons with Kablam! Kablam! Ooh. 
this you might not know this one. It's a weird animated a kind of, of variety Kablam. show. So I love Kablam. I love Kablam. Uh, it's going to be fun to revisit and see if it holds up. I <laughs> am not holding out hope, <laughs> to be honest with you. <laughs> this one could be rough. So definitely come back uh, and join us. I hope you guys all have a safe and happy holiday, a safe and happy new year. Please come back and join us and uh, listen again Saturday morning cartoons Thank in you guys. 2016. Happy new year. Happy new year.